Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Bridge. Good, good. Well, I'm excited to be with you tonight. I'm excited to preach and teach. Are you guys ready to receive? Okay, cool. Um, we're going to dialogue a lot tonight, so, so I want to hear from you um, and when I have questions from you, but you guys are really good at talking to me, so thank you. So we are continuing in the series on overcoming sin and breaking the cycles of sin, uh, but we're going to learn about, it's, it seems like such a paradox, and so many times the scriptures are a paradox. It's so upside down from the world, uh, but man, we're going to learn about the power of grace to help us overcome sin tonight. And so um, we're going to be in Titus chapter 2. So if you guys would like to read along with me, totally do it. And if not, I'll have the scriptures for you up on the screen. But we're in Titus chapter 2 tonight. And um, man, there, there are things in life that we certainly want to overcome, right? Things, uh, uh, just just hardships, or, or maybe we want to improve our mental health somehow. Or maybe we just want to get physically fit, right? Like summer's coming. You know what I'm saying? And um, I've opened up to you guys about this before, but I picked up the habit in nursing school, like with stress. Have I told you guys about how I, like, I wake up pretty religiously in the middle of the night and uh, eat food in the middle of the night? Have I told you guys about this? You guys know about this? Some of you guys know, some of you guys don't know, right? Well, I'll tell you again. I picked up this habit in nursing school just because nursing school was hard, it was stressful, and um, man, I would get up and eat food in the middle of the night. And more often than not, I'm not actually conscious for this. It's like, like part sleepwalking kind of stuff. Right, so I didn't go to the dentist all through college, and I had this habit the whole time. And I came up from college, I had seven cavities in a root canal I had to deal with, right? Because I would wake up and there'd be all this like, like gunk in my teeth, right? Not cool, not okay, right? And so this uh, this this hardship carried over into my marriage as well, right? Like my wife would be like, "Where is he going? Like, what's going on?" And I'd get up and eat food out of our fridge in the middle of the night. So we actually, if you guys come over to my house, and some of you guys have or whatever, um, you'll see that we put bicycle locks on the fridge. And we actually put padlocks in the pantry, right? Because like, I'm like this bear that wakes up from his slumber and has to go eat, right? And what's so crazy is like, you think that would work, right? Like, why would that not work, right? Like, that should work. But there's something in my stupid brain where like, I'm like, I promise myself, I'm not going to do it tonight, right? Like, it's not going to happen tonight. And then, you know what happens if I don't lock up? You can count, catch me in my security cameras eating food at 2 in the morning, right? It's bizarro, man. I hate this. It's like, I want to overcome this. I work out really hard. I try to have a good diet in the day. And then I'm like elbow deep in pizza at like two in the morning, right? Like this is a problem, all right? So, so, so I've been vulnerable. What is something like, like we're starting off in a light manner because we're talking about overcoming sin, right? Which is so important, but also kind of brutal at the same time, right? It's in your face. Uh, what is something you guys are trying to overcome right now? It can be funny. It can be serious. What, what do you got? Anything? Or you're like, Jackson, that's so weird. I don't know how to like pick up in this conversation right now. Lying? Dude, real talk. And I think sometimes we can be like compulsively lying potentially, or it's like, like I just say this here, say this there, and don't really think about it, but it turns out that thing I said wasn't true. Thanks for being vulnerable. That's good, Nunez. Anything else? What is it you guys are trying to overcome? Amen. Can we get an amen? Kirsten said high school. Yeah, that's true, right? Like, like what is it just like? The school is hard? Like, like people are hard? Like, what do you think? It's boring. You're just trying to get out of there, right? Okay, cool. Yeah, that's good. I agree. Anything else you guys are trying to overcome? Can you guys relate to me, though? There's some things you know you need to overcome, and it's actually pretty hard, and it seems simple, but we just can't seem to get there, right? 
So I want us to all know, man, we don't have to be slaves to sin any longer, right? This thing that this, 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 this mountain that you've been just trying to get over, you can overcome it, right? And we're going to learn how grace is going to make us be no longer slaves of sin. So let's read on the screen. It says in Titus chapter two, it's for the grace of God has appeared, bring salvation to all people, instructing us to deny godliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously and in a godly manner in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, right? Can you believe that? We're gonna be redeemed from every lawless deed. We wanna be redeemed from that, not partaking of it, but redeemed from it, right? And in verse 11, it says, the grace of God has appeared, right? That is Jesus Christ that Paul's telling Titus about. Man, and Jesus brought salvation to all people in verse 11. And then we see in verse 15, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. No one is to disregard you, right? So what do we see? What does grace do in verse 12? Look at verse 12 for a second. We see, real quick, guys, I'm, I'm hearing audio up here, and I'm hearing clicking. If, if we could just like, like, I feel like I'm like in a, in a, in a uh, charismatic church and I got an organ player playing behind me right now. It's per- I think it's gone now. I think whatever you did maybe worked. All right, perfect, cool. So guys, what do you see in verse 12 um, that grace does, right? What is that I word you see up there? What does grace do? It's on there, it's first, first part of verse 12. What do you see? Instructing, right? Did you guys know that? So so you might have looked at grace and be like, oh, it's God's undeserved favor on my life. I didn't deserve for Jesus Christ to came and die for me because I'm not good, right? I'm the one that put him on the cross. I didn't deserve that in my life. It's not like I was this good person that was worthy of that, right? No, yeah, grace is God's undeserved favor. But I'm seeing tonight, and you need to learn tonight, that grace, it also has the power to instruct us as well. Paul would go on to say, and we're going to look at it later in Corinthians, man, grace is sufficient for me. It's saying that grace is enough for me, right? He's saying, Paul apparently, it says that he had this thorn in his flesh, right? A thorn in his side, right? And I don't know if that literally meant I had this ailment that I can't overcome, or maybe just like you and I, there's this sin that he wants eradicated from his life and he's saying, God, take it away. But whatever it is, it's not going away. But then he goes on to say, your grace is sufficient for me. It's enough for me, right? See, there is power for this. So the first thing that I want you to see is grace is not just forgiveness from sin, but it's the power to deny it. So search your heart tonight, like in your, in your fight against sin, as you want to be transformed into the image of God, right? Are you only looking at grace as this undeserved favor in my life, which it is, or like, grace, are you teaching me stuff? Jesus, are you instructing me how to say no to ungodliness? Paul would say in 2 Corinthians, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Wow, that's incredible. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. My grace is enough, right? So listen, some of you guys might be in here tonight insecure or, or nervous about something or there's something that just bums you out right? Something that's getting you down, that's tearing you down, right? You need to receive what Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians is that my grace is all you need, right? Other translations will say your grace is enough for me, right? I mean, and that means that you are enough, right? Do you believe that? Because I believe, like, like, think about this. Search your heart for a second. Is Christ your Lord? You don't have to answer me. Is Christ your Lord, 
right? Do you believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead, right? If that is true of you, if you believe those things, if he's your Lord, if he's the master of your life, then do you have grace? Yes, you do. So with that being said, Paul is telling us grace is all you need. You are enough. You don't have to look better, right? You don't have to speak better and you don't have to have a different personality. So you might look at what lot you've been given in life and wish things were different. But according to Jesus Christ, and when you have him, that is not true. That's a lie, right? You are enough when you have grace because God's grace is enough for us tonight. That's why it's so incredible that we even sing that song, Christ is enough for me. So, so search your heart. Is what is like that thing tearing you down that's making you not feel like you're enough? Man, if you have grace, man, that is enough right? That's enough. And we need to learn about the power of that and how it's going to instruct us to live godly lives because Satan, he wants to lie to you and make you think you're not enough, right? It's not about that friend that you have or don't have, right? It's not that physical feature or that look or, or whatever it is that you want that you don't have, right? Or that thing that you want to be or that place you'd rather be. Man, Satan wants to tell you you're never enough. But Jesus, if he is your Lord, you have grace and you are enough. Walk in such freedom. Walk in such contentment because of that. You're enough because of grace. God doesn't use perfect people, but he does use grace people. And I want you to be grace people. If you feel like you cannot over sin, because you guys might be struggling with sin. There might be this sin that you've been fighting right? Man, I want to get over this. God, I really want to get over it. Like, I believe that your way is best, but it seems like I'm falling into this sin, right? Do you think you have the power to do that? The truth is you don't, right? And it's the moment that we realize that, that the grace of God comes in to help us truly overcome that thing. Man, we are weak. Paul is saying, man, man, I am weak, he says in this text, but he's saying my power, God's power is best in weakness. So when you stop making it about your strength to overcome this thing that you want to overcome, right? Because are you doing that? Is it about your strength, this thing you want to do and this thing you want to overcome? Because if it is, man, it's not going to work out. It has to be about the grace of God. When you stop making it about your strength, the power of God will finally move in your life. So allow it and simply receive it. It says in the text that God, he opposes proud people, but he gives grace to humble people. That basically means that saying, God, I can't do it, but you can. But if you're proud, you're saying, I can do this on my own. You, in many ways, you might be doing this thing on your own and you can't do that because it will be a futile mission otherwise, right? See, God opposes proud people because he can't help you unless you ask for it. He's opposed to people who think that they don't need them, him, right? So we certainly do need God. Jesus would say in the Beatitudes, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit, right? And basically that means blessed are you when you realize that you need me because then my grace is going to come. My power is going to overcome whatever it is that you need to overcome, right? So, you guys, I remember sometimes, because uh, like half of you guys are in college already, even though you're in high school, um, and I was kind of in the same boat as you guys, right? Um, doing the dual enrollment thing. Who's dual enrolled in here? Let me see a show of hands. So that's like maybe over half of you guys, right? Um, and I remember being in class um, a lot of times, or, 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 in, or in like public school or whatever, um, the teacher's writing something on the board, and she's like, and he's like, are you getting this, right? Do you understand? Does anyone have any questions, right? And you're thinking like, I don't get it. 
right? But I'm not going to be the one to raise my hand to ask, right? And you're like, I'm just not going to do that, right? There's been moments in your life when you needed extra help, but you're like, I just don't even want to ask, right? But then someone else actually is like, hey, you know what? I'm not getting it. And then really it's like 75% of the class didn't get it either. So it's a good thing we took a time out and we asked for help, right? See, we have to be the same way with the father. We have to say, hey, yo, look, I'm not getting it. I need you right? You need to have enough humility to go to God and say, God, I need your help, man. That's when God is going to step in and move for us, right? So do you have grace, right? Like, don't, don't answer out loud. Do you have grace? If Christ is your Lord, then yes, you do. You do have grace. And we have to become people that are no longer relying on our power, but God's power. So in verse 12, can you go back to the original text of Titus for me, uh, Connor, on the screen? It says in verse 12, it says that it, grace, it instructs us to deny godliness and worldly desires, right? So um, Spencer Jacks, my son, he is now 16 months old, right? And he knows that when he's doing something he's not supposed to do, I say no, and he needs to stop. And what's really interesting is I tell him not to do something, right? Like I have the, this, these like drawers that he goes and tries to open and he always goes to them, but he kind of like looks at me and then he's like pulling it open. And I'm like, Spencer, no. And then he closes it and cops an attitude. And he's only 16 months old, right? Or um, he's, he's really into taking his toys and trying to insert it into the electrical sockets, right? And I'll say, Spencer, no. And, I'll, and, like, and, and he'll just like, Man, and sometimes when he's upset enough about it, he'll stop putting his toy into the electrical socket, right? But then he'll, he'll like Superman onto the floor and then just start beating his head off the ground, right? And I'm like, oh, Spence! Like, and I have to like slide my hand under his head so he's not like gonna like injure himself, right? And I'm like, you're like, you're nuts, man. You know, like, why are you doing this? You know? So I think that what you and I and where I'm going with this in verse 12 is that grace, it tells us to deny ungodliness, right? And I'm, this is going somewhere. You're like, you are, your son's crazy, Jackson. You're crazy too. I promise this is going somewhere, right? Grace instructs us to deny godliness. And in the original language, it means that we're no longer on friendly terms with it any longer, right? So that's our relationship that we're going to have with sin, right? See, I think there's, there's some times in your Christian walk where you don't want to sin, but you kind of do want to sin, right? Like Spencer Jacks, like, he wants to put his toy in the electrical socket, right? I don't know why, right? I don't know why he thinks that's a good idea, but he wants to. I tell him no, but he doesn't do it, but it's not like he's thrilled about it, am I right? There's some sins you want, you, 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 you listen to God, you know the word of God, and so therefore you're not going to follow through with it, but it's not like you're thrilled about it either. I believe that when you truly mature in Christ, what's going to happen is that your desire for sin, I believe it will in fact begin to go down because when we really embrace grace, it helps us say no to ungodliness and unruly desires. And then when Paul said that, Titus would have understood that means I'm not on friendly terms with it anymore, right? It's not just something that I want to do, I just can't do. It's like, man, I'm not, I'm not with that anymore. So you need to trust in the future grace that God's gonna bring into your life to really help you over come sin. You will mature. You're going to get to this place where you're not just resisting sin, but I believe you're going to get to a place where you're repulsed by it, 
right? Man, so often I, I can dabble in sin, right? Or just avoid it. But often maybe I'm not repulsed by it the way that the Father wants me to be. I think when we grow in grace, man, man and we're never repulsed by people, right? We're repulsed by the evil that Satan's bringing into their life that's causing them to sin, that's hurting them, but we're never repulsed by people. So I just want to say that for a second, man. Man, we're all created in the image of God. People need grace too. They need a savior too. But look at the next thing I want you to see on the screen, point two, is that grace, what's beautiful about it, is that it destroys friendship with sin, right? See, Grace makes us not just reject sin, but it makes us and brings us to this place where I don't even want to do it anymore, right? So I'm going to make you guys talk for a second. Man, I remember Grandma Nell. Um, she's, she passed away January 1st, 2000. And uh, she was getting really skinny at the end of her life, right? Because she wasn't uh, eating, right? And I used to be like, like, Grandma, like, you need to eat, you know? And, you know, she, she was like from Boone, North Carolina. And there are Southern, right? There are hicks out there. And she would just go to me. She'd look me dead in the eye. And she'd be like, I don't want it, right? Can you, see, can you look at your neighbor and just say that? Say, I don't want it. All right, that's so good. Thank you. Thank you for being dorks with me. You guys are so good about it, right? She's like, I don't want it. It's like, Nanda, like, this is good for you, right? Man, that's going to be your attitude towards sin. You're going to be like, I don't want it right? You know, like that, that's us maturing in the grace of the Father as we begin to experience His grace and begin to saturate ourselves in it. Its appeal will decrease as we mature in Christ and become more like Him, right? So there are other texts in Philippians that saying that there's certain sins that we are to approach with fear and trembling, right? Because I think the moment we think like, I, I don't struggle with this sin anymore, or this sin has no power over me or no hold on me or whatever, is probably when we could fall back into it again, right? There are some things that we need to turn away from, resist and flee from and never go back to, of course, right? So I don't want us to get prideful with this, but I do want us to trust as you become more like Christ, I believe that some of sin's appeal will decrease. Things you struggle with 10 years ago, you won't currently struggle with, right? But that's what's so funny about the sanctification progress. You'll overcome one thing and then God will reveal something else that you need his grace for again, for sure, right? So we need to meditate on the grace of God, right? So the work Christ did for us on the cross, right? What, so, so can you talk to me again? So what did Jesus Christ purchase for us? It starts with an S when he died for us on the cross. What did he purchase for us? Salvation. We've been saved from a horrible situation. That's what salvation, uh, one of the definitions of it is, right? So let me ask you this now. We talked about this last week. Do you love your salvation? Do you love what Jesus did for you, right? Not this hypothetical idea. Like, like he knew you when he was going to die for you, right? He died for you. It's very personal. That's how incredible God is, is because he exists out of time. So therefore he can know us all individually and die for us individually, right? He died for Jackson, right? He died for you, right? And I love that about him, right? But sometimes I don't care either, right? I don't really care about salvation all the time. And that's horrendous. Like, like there's something broken in my heart and broken in my eyes if I don't care about my salvation sometimes. So let me ask you, do you care about your salvation? Or is that just some hypothetical church idea that Jesus died for me, right? Because I bring that up because I don't want it to be this thing that our hearts are hard towards or our ears are numb to. Like Jesus died for, for me, right? And so with that, do we love salvation and do we cherish it, right? See, if you don't care about grace, right? Like if you're just like, I got the favor, I got the forgiveness, right? 
But if we don't care about grace, if we don't care about that salvation, if we don't care about the work he did for us on the cross, then our relationship to sin, you're going to succumb to it. You're going to fall into it. So if you don't love salvation, then sin's going to be appealing, right? So, so maybe if we're in this rut with certain sins, like where are you at with, with, with Jesus on the cross? You know, like I believe your salvation's secure in him, but do you love salvation? Are you stoked off of salvation? Man, we can be in this place where I appreciate and I love salvation. And what's gnarly is there are some things in life we don't appreciate until they're taken from us, right? Like last week, the plague entered the Edwards home, right? I was, we, like, I, I was so bad. I was so sick. I was so tired. And Brianna was so sick and we were so tired. We had a long night. And I'll spare you guys the haggard details of the evening, right? It's filthy, filthy scene, right? But you know what happened that morning? Spencer Jacks woke up in the same condition, right? And like, that was my first experience taking care of a kid that's super sick when I was super sick, right? It was a really bad deal. And I woke up, Spencer's bed was just covered in poop, right? And I've never seen that before, right? And I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for 10 years. I've seen some nasty situations, right? And this was bumming me out. Like, I was grossed out, right? My stomach's feeling, like, weak itself, you know? And, like, it was so bad. Like, at 6 in the morning, first of all, first of all I had to put Spencer in the tub and get him cleaned off. And I was like, I, I don't even feel comfortable putting his nightgown into the laundry right now. Like, I got to take this out and hose it down. So we're out, like, like in the 6 in the morning, like, sun coming up, and I'm hosing his, his sleep sack down, right? It was filthy, and I'm not feeling good, right? Is this gross? Yeah, it's pretty gross, right? You know what I'm grateful for? My health, right? I mean, in that moment, I was just like, God, I take my health for granted. This is painful and awful and miserable, right? Man, in this moment, this week, I'm grateful to be doing good. Me and Spence, we went swimming today, and it was one of the best swim times I've ever had, and we just went in a pool. I was like, thank you, God, right? But isn't it so funny that human nature works like that? We don't appreciate certain things until it's gone, right? See, before Christ, you didn't have salvation. Before Christ, you didn't have Christ, right? Before Christ, you were living for the world, and it was empty and vain and really kind of painful, Right? And really, in some ways, sins of the world brought great pain and destruction into our life. I never want to be sick like that, that again. I probably will, but I really don't like it. Right? You guys know what I'm, that's, you guys, you guys, you guys have experienced that sickness before. It's awful, right? That's a terrible sickness that you don't want. You get over it, but it's a miserable time, right? I mean, there's this worship song we sing in regards to our old life where we say, I never want to go back to my old life salvation and grace has brought you from that place into a new place with Jesus Christ and a new standing with him and your new creations now. I never want to go back to my life before Christ. But is that where you're at? Is that where I'm always at, right? Do you kind of like think about your life before Christ and you're like, whatever, whatever, you know, it's like, it's better now, but like, it wasn't horrible then, right? Man, I never want to go back to being sick like that. And I would never want to go back to my life before Jesus Christ either. We cannot be nostalgic with our life before Christ, right? The things we used to do before we were Christ followers, like they're not cute, right? So I'm going to uh, uh, Aquatica on Friday, right? And um, you guys know what that is? It's a water park. And I've been to a, like, a, like a water park um, in like probably like 12 years, right? And like, 
like, like, like I said this to be funny in a group of people, but I'm going to warn you now, don't laugh because it's not funny, right? So, so I'm giving you the warning, right? And I said in a group of people, man, like the last time I went to a water park, I'd done a bunch of drugs before I went. And then I laughed about it, right? And I'm like, man, last time I went to a water park, like I was like, like done a ton of drugs and then like went on the slides and stuff, right? And you know what it is? Like, like, and, and some people laughed and it was awkward and I felt like conviction about that, right? Because you know what? Like, that's not funny. Like, 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 I was actually in a really dark time and like I was hurting and I was doing drugs to feel better, right? And even though like, like I was like in a fun place or whatever, like, 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 and I was thinking, I'm like, I'm being cute with my life before Christ. There's nothing cute about it. Like, like that's miserable. And, and, and you know what? Even if I was having pleasures of that stuff, I would have died apart from Jesus Christ, Right? So I think that with salvation, and, and what I'm, my aim in having this conversation with you guys is that we want to have a great appreciation for salvation. We want to have a, it's like, it's like I'm saying, man, I have a great appreciation for my health. I never want to go back to that again. I want you guys to be like, man, I hate my life before Christ. Or maybe you've been in the Christian home all your life. Man, we still can have an incredible appreciation for that grace that's been extended to us. That's grace on its own right? Man, it is miserable to not have Jesus Christ and we should never want to go back to it, right? So I want you guys to, I hope you can relate to that, right? Like sin's not funny and it's not cute. I mean, we have to love our salvation. So let's look at Titus chapter two, verse 13 for a second. It says, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of our Lord and great savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify himself a people for his own possession, eager for good deeds. So the next thing I want you to understand as we overcome this is that when we look for Jesus, we will not look for sin. Right? There's action in that. Man, it said in verse 13, we just read, is that we are to be looking for the appearing of Jesus Christ. Right? Last week in Romans, I taught you guys, man, that what Paul said, he said, wake up from your sleep. He said, salvation is near. Christ is near. Make no provisions for the, for the flesh. Right? Man, we're going to make no provisions for the flesh. Man, we said, wake up. It's game time. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. Right? Jesus is coming back. Either A, he's going to come back very soon before you could even graduate from high school. He's going to come back when you have kids, right? Or, or you know what? It might not come back within our generation, but our children's generation, right? I don't know for sure. With the way things are going, it really seems like he's going to come back soon. But either way, we're all going to stand before God pretty soon, right? Whether we die naturally or, or Jesus Christ comes back, I don't know, right? We're supposed to be looking for that and expecting that is what I'm seeing in the text tonight, right? He's saying, look for Jesus Christ, right? See, we should look forward to that and live in that, right? See, and I think you guys are growing, right? You guys want to be in your devotion, you want to be disciplined men and women of God. I care so much about discipline. I care so much about devotion. I love it so much, right? Right? I care about that for you. I want you to be devoted men and women of God. I want you to be disciplined men and women of God. Because I believe that when you're disciplined and when you're devoted, you've learned how to arrange your life in such a way and structure your days so that you can be transformed in the image of God, right? That's why I believe what disciplines do. They help us arrange our days and manage our time so that we're being with the Father and therefore becoming more like Him. That's why I bleed discipline and devotion with you guys, right? But you might not be there yet. And I think you will be, so, so trust it. Just keep going through the process. Keep taking what you can get with God, right? You'll learn to love it. You'll learn to embrace it and keep trusting God for that, okay? Be encouraged with that, right? But I think that if you and I are in a place, 
right, where I'm not really looking forward to getting to be with you in the morning, God, right, in your word. And I'm not looking forward to being with you at night either, right? Man, I, man, I don't really care to spend time with you, God, and alone in the word. I like it in this setting with all my friends, right? But man, alone time with you, God, like, this is not like, like, I'd really rather not, right? Man, that's, that's kind of a, a tough place to be, right? Because if you don't care about being with God and Jesus Christ, you know, Jesus is in heaven, right? So it's like, like maybe we won't really care about going to heaven either and being with him there either, right? Like, 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 like we struggle, we're in the flesh right now, right? But like if we don't care about being with Jesus here, like he's in heaven, that's where he's at. Right? And I, I know that's heavy, but that is something to maybe think through and ask myself some hard questions about. We don't want to be deceived by the pleasures of this world and miss out on this time. Right? This is where I want you guys to participate with me again. Right? Have you guys seen the Goonies? Yeah. Right? Remember when they're wanting to bail on the mission? What are they trying to, like, what, how, they, how are they going to escape on the adventure, like halfway through? Yes, the well, the wishing well. Right? Has, any, has, has anyone not seen Goonies? Okay, you guys haven't? Who's seen Goonies? Right? Goonies, what's up? Right? Goonies never say die, right? But what does Mikey say when um, he doesn't want him to, to give up on the mission? This is our time. Can you guys say it? Say, this is our time. Say it. This is our time. Right? Down here, this is our time. Right? Make the most of this time and be with God now. This is your time to further the kingdom of God. And when you're in heaven, you're going to have an eternity. Think about how you did or didn't do that. Right? So, 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 so man, man I, I don't want to like scare you or condemn you at all or shame you because that's ineffective. That's useless. That won't get us nowhere. Right? But man, like just trust that I think uh, you're, you're going to grow to love spending time with God. So continue in this process because we are the go kids. Right? Jesus said, go make disciples. Right? Down here, it is our time. We are the John 3, 16 kids, right? We are the Holy Spirit generation. That is who we are. I tell you guys all the time, oftentimes, we're compared to either athletes or warriors, which is awesome, right? When, when Paul writes all his letters or Jesus tells many stories and parables, we're oftentimes either compared to warriors or athletes, right? So imagine, like, so let, let, let's go with that comparison for a second. Let's go with that analogy for a second. Imagine, like, like, I'm, like, the captain of whatever squad we are. There's, like, 10 of you guys with me, right? And I'm, like, surveying the battlefield, and, like, I see some tanks over here. I see some inter- in- infantry over here, right? But we got to go charge. We got to get to the other side. We got to go defeat this enemy, right? We got archers over here, which I know tanks and archers wouldn't coexist, but just like work with me, right? Right? So we, so, 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 so we got all, the, all this. We, 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 we got the swordsmen over here. We got the horses over here. We got our cavalry or whatever, right? And I'm like looking at them like, oh, but we got this, right? And we're team Jesus, man. Nothing's going to stop us. If we fight, we win, right? That's how it goes for Christians, right? And I go down into the bunker, to rally you guys, right? And you guys are all in your pajamas playing Xbox, eating Cocoa Puffs, right? You know how ticked off I'm gonna be, right? Man, if this is like a war and we're like athletes, man, we gotta be prepared to go. This is our time. If we are lazy, if we're caught sleeping, right? Man, we're gonna, I think sin's gonna be very tempting. If we're not realizing and waking up to the battle that we're in, man, sin's gonna be super appealing and you're gonna live a very boring life, right? And I do not want that for you. See, there is a place for rest, right? There is a place all over scripture for breaking bread and eating together. Can I get an amen? There is a place for that. Man, like I tell you guys, Jesus, so often it says that he reclined at the table with his friends, 
right? Man, I love that. Man, there's a place for that. It's a commandment to take a Sabbath. It's a commandment from God, rest, right? But you know what? Rest ought to come after a lot of hard work, I think, right? Man, we got to earn it. Man, go out there and earn it because I believe that boredom leads to sin and we want to overcome sin. Use the gifting for which God has given you. In verse 14, it says, we've been redeemed out of slavery. Man, I don't want you to be Christians who feel like they're slaves, right? I believe that some of you, you can still have salvation, but still be slaves, right? And that's, that, that ought not be so. I believe the text in the series is going to help us overcome that. In verse 14, it says that we will be eager for good deeds. See, if you're not eager to share your faith with others, right? If you're not eager to be in the word, if you're not eager for prayer, if you're not eager for godly community, if you're not eager to help hurting people, if you're not eager to encourage, sin will look great, right? And boredom leads to sin, but I know you, right? I know you just from conversations with you. I, I really do like, like I was calling all you guys by your last names on the way in. And then I was thinking to myself, I'm like, Man, that's really cool. I like I knowing some of my students so well, I nearly know everyone's like not only their first name, but also their last name now. That's super rad, right? I know you. I know your heart. I know your passion. I know your calling. I know your devotion. I know your eagerness. And that's why I'm like, bring it on. Bring it on. We can do anything for God in this community because I know the sheep in this room and you guys are on fire. And that's why it's a thrill. And that's why I'm thrilled to know you are going to be those warriors and those athletes that Jesus has called you to be because I know it's in your heart and you're eager to do good deeds. And that's why this is a thrilling time to be in ministry with you. Hey guys, thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to learn more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.